Hey everybody, welcome back to an all new episode of The Real Couple. We're The Real Couple. I'm Dallas. And I'm Paige. And we're The Real Couple. I feel like I've started this episode off way too annoying. People, you like, have. If this is your first episode listening to us, you're just going to be like, and nope. And I understand. But it's going to be a real good episode. It's going to be so, so good. stay, yeah. please. Um, I know you already know this because you clicked on the episode, and in the name of the episode, we tell you what we're talking about, but we're going to say it anyways. Paige, what do we see? Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. It's been a while. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, the real couple, this has been out for weeks. Well, we're busy. We have vacations, and we have jobs, and we have lives. We have dishes. We have a dog. We have so many things. We we got behind schedule. But we're, we're sorry. Back. Yeah. We're, we're back, and we're here, and we're going to talk about... Uh, and it's now been long enough that... We don't have to avoid any sort of spoilers. Yeah, because you, you should seen have it yet, all seen it by now. Yeah, if you still haven't seen it, you're the problem. Fix the world. Go see it. You're an idiot. So, with all that said, we're just gonna dive right in. Yeah. So, spoiler warning, I guess. Yeah, I I would say right before spoilers, it's phenomenal. Loved it's it. It's great. I will say, this movie has been very polarizing. Mm-hmm. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be much gray area with this film. Yeah. I think it is 100% to do with the director. Yeah. I think James Gunn has his own flavor of movie. Mm-hmm. And the people that don't like this movie are the people that probably didn't really know what to expect from a James Gunn film going in. Well, um, I, I think there's a quote that we've thrown around several times over the last few weeks, and it really uh, hits the nail right on the head. Um, to, to precurse that a bit, I feel like with um, the first two Guardians movies, James Gunn was able to have a lot of fun, but he did kind of have to rein himself in a lot Absolutely. in order to jive with the, the vibe of the MCU, the MCU as a whole. something being uh, produced by the Disney company. And with this one, this feels more like it's a James Gunn movie first and an MCU movie second, 100%. where the other two flipped that. They were an MCU movie first and a yes. James Gunn movie second. Yes. This one, he really went, maybe not full James Gunn, no. but he, there were moments where I was like... He went I'm... way more James Gunn than mm-hmm. he had been able to in the past with yeah. Disney. He went so James Gunn, I was surprised he was able to get away with how much he did. Agreed. Um, this movie got way. dark. This movie got very dark. Um, I would say, similarly... Uh, there were moments that felt fairly reminiscent of um, Fellowship of the Ring, actually. Fellowship Explain. of the Ring. Yeah. Um, Fellowship of the Ring is directed by Peter Jackson. Correct. Before that, Peter Jackson had, had made, like, zombie movies. Like, gross films. And there are moments in Fellowship where it's this, especially looking back on it, it's this grandiose epic fantasy film that's going to get nominated for best picture all three of them but in that first movie 
There's at least one orc that just got gets decapitated in the Mines of Moria by Aragorn, and like head comes off, and you see squirting black blood yes. out of the neck. Yeah. And then there's a moment in Two Towers when um, that one orc really wants to eat Merry and Pippin, and he's about to like take a swing at him, and they take his head off his head off too and as soon as they do they rip him limb from limb and you're seeing they intestines do, yeah. fly mm-hmm. like not a lot of people acknowledge that that happened but yo and then uh okay i don't think this was in theatrical but in the extended version of uh return of the king uh when they're when the orcs are all marching on minas tirith the main orc captain says release the prisoners Mm-hmm. And they launched the decapitated heads of the human soldiers they captured. They do. And all these people, they're like, oh, they're launching things from catapults, put up our shields. And, you know, this stuff starts hitting their shields and stuff. And they're like, all right, cool, we're all good. And then they realize, like, those are the heads of people we knew. It's a terrifying little moment. And it's shocking that peter jackson was able to get away with that in the lord of the rings movies especially when looking at the vibe of the rest of the lord of the rings movies i feel like there's just like one or two moments in each film that just gets so dark like Mm -hmm. where did that come from dark darkness and i feel like james gunn did the same thing with guardians 3 where he's just like hey can i can i randomly throw in like a very james gunn scene right here and they're like I don't know about a full scene, but could you do like, you know, a a couple seconds? And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. And, this yeah. movie will pull at the heartstrings of animal-loving mm-hmm. humans. Yeah. Which, if you're not an animal-loving human, I don't know that I trust you as a human. Um, yeah. So it should be pulling at the heartstrings of everybody who watches it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I really, really loved it. It gets fairly dark. Uh, there's definitely some uh, some animal stuff going on. And I feel like with that, I'm willing to officially put up. Let's the, dive in. Yeah. Uh, spoiler warning is now in effect. We're going to start talking about specific uh, plot points. That if you haven't seen it yet, this will definitely affect your um, awareness of, of what happens in the plot line. I'm going to dive straight in yep. to the Rocket storyline. Yeah. We get a lot of backstory mm-hmm. because I guess in current timeline, they're trying to save Rocket's life because they discover that he has some sort of like ticking time bomb in him where if somebody tries to... I guess, medically alter him, then he has something attached to his heart that will kill him. So the Guardians go on this quest to go find the override code or whatever. Um, So we get a lot of backstory on Rocket and why he is the way that he is and how he got that way. Um, So you get to see little baby Rocket and he's so cute. Um, and you get to see his little friends that were also these kind of creepy science experiments um, by what's his name? What is his name? Uh, the Grand Evolutionary, I believe. Okay. Something like that. Um, and you just see how 
inhumanely they were created. They all have these like metal contraptions on them. And you just get to see this beautiful friendship bloom between an otter, a walrus, a rabbit, and a raccoon. Yeah. And they get to choose their own names. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about teeths? Oh, dude. <gasps> that was something that I, I feel like in a lot of things when um, they have that moment where someone either... Um, you know, comes up with, you know, their name or uh, decides on a, a costume choice or something iconic like that. It's there's always kind of a uh, a cheesy, a cheesiness to it. Like every every main character that's ever made like a decision that would have lasting effects on their their uh, trajectory as a character when they make that decision. It's like the universe is aware that this is going to be a big deal, and um, you know you have that uh, those moments when um, I don't want to give this away because we're going to see. Well, yeah, at the beginning of um, Indiana Jones and in the uh, yeah and the Last Crusade, there's a moment where he puts on the hat for the first time, and it's kind of a big moment. It's iconic, yeah, yeah. Um, but then you have other things like. Um, I'm just throwing references out there willy-nilly now. Uh, the first time that uh, Buffy meets Spike. Yep. That's not an iconic moment. They, the two of them become iconic, but it's not like the moment they meet is this like, whoa. And I like that. You know, I, I like when, you know, things can just become iconic, but the first moment it happens doesn't have to be. The, a big deal. Yeah, yeah, a big deal. Um, but yeah, I feel like there are so many moments. Like in uh, Solo, the, the Star Wars movie. There's that moment where he's like, uh, my name's Han. And he's like, but what clan are you from? Or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm just, I'm alone. There's no one else in my clan. And the guy goes, hmm, Han Solo. And it's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up. There's no reason to do that. Stop whatever but with this it was like they're all deciding on names and it's like what made him decide on rocket and he'd just seen a rocket fly through the sky mm -hmm. and he saw it and said i want to be capable of going wherever i want whenever i want however i want i want to be the captain of my own destiny i want to be a rocket mm -hmm. and just the the way they wrote that the way Bradley Cooper performed those lines. Oh. The oh my gosh, they nailed it. That was they did. that was a moment where I was like, this should this could have so easily felt cheesy, and it this wasn't perfect. And I just love like I've loved Rocket for years mm -hmm. now. He's always been my favorite Guardian of the Galaxy. Has he? And getting more of his backstory because like I love that he's you know. Like, not silly, but, like, he likes to joke around, but you can tell that he's also smart. But he has that dark humor, and you get to see the basis for it. Like, you get to see that he was smarter mm -hmm. than the guy that created him. Yeah. But... He was scrappy. Mm -hmm. He went through hell and 
back as he like was trying to get his friends out of those cages after he realized that they didn't get to go to the new place. And he watched all of them die in front of him. And he accidentally kind of got them killed. Yeah. Uh, And so you see where that like dark humor came from. You just, you get to see so many more pieces of the puzzle for Rocket. Mm -hmm. And you just have to love him even more for getting through it and surviving all of it. And I... I adore how they wrote Rocket in this movie. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned he's got that that dark humor, but he's also really smart and stuff. Um, but something that they always made sure to acknowledge or hint towards in the first movies, but in this one they really reveal it, he has trauma. So much. In the first movie, there's that moment where everybody gets drunk and he gets pissed he's a pissed off drunk and he's aiming a gun at people and he's like um she calls me vermin you called me rodent and and he every time someone throws a sideways um not to you know uh go that far but at the same time for him it's a slur pretty much every time someone throws um a name calling an insult like that that's you know uh calls him a a disrespectful term he doesn't like it and it affects him deeply and in the second movie there's that moment when um i can't remember what uh quill calls him but then he's like i'm sorry i didn't mean that i meant trash panda and he's like i don't know if that's worse and he's like it's so much worse and as soon as he hears that he's just been insulted even harder after making it known i don't like that knock it off Mm-hmm. And then Quill takes it farther. He's ready to go ape shit, and he he. There is that deep rooted like I, I am not open to mm-hmm. that line of humor. And in this movie, we find out like he's got no good memories there. Like it's well, it's... and also like towards the end when they decide they you know saved all the kids off of mm-hmm. the ship. Yeah, I guess you could say it was. command center um, And then they decide to go save all the animals, mm-hmm. too. He gets into the room with all the animals in cages, and he gets to the cage with all the little baby raccoons. And, and he, he can recognize that that is what like, he was. He's like, that's what I was. Yeah. And he looks over, and he sees the sign that says raccoon. And I took that as that he never knew that that's what he was. Mm-hmm. And so he thought it was just an insult mm-hmm. that people were calling him that. And I remember there's a moment in the first movie where I think someone calls him a raccoon. And, uh, well, someone someone calls him a raccoon. And he's like, what's a raccoon? And he's like, what's a raccoon? It's what you are. And his response is pretty much, ain't no thing like me, except me. Yeah. And it's, you don't really know if he honestly doesn't know that he's a raccoon or if he just doesn't want to know what he is. Yeah. Um, Like, does he not know out of choice or does he not know out of honestly not knowing? Um, And so, yeah, that moment when he discovers like, oh, I do have not just an origin, but um, there are others like me like me mm-hmm. you know before this you know biomechanical um alterations um 
there are creatures out there that I have things in common with. I'm not alone. And then he grabs all the little baby raccoons and saves them. Yeah, dude. There was a moment. Like, this... I was sitting there, and I I came into this movie being like... It's been said a lot that this is going to be the final movie for this iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm a huge... Like, Guardians 1 jived with me in a big old way. Mm -hmm. And so I was really scared going into this. Like, I was not sure I was ready for whatever this movie had. I was scared the whole time that we were going to lose Rocket. Yeah. But... So the the movie starts and you've got uh, the uh, Marvel Studios opening. Mm -hmm. And it starts with this like sort of line. It's kind of, or uh, not line, but this note that is kind of hopeful. But then the second note is like anyone who's familiar with music theory or something could easily be like, oh yeah, it's a third drop or something. But it's, it's sort of this... and the second note comes in it's like and it's just it it worried me as soon as i heard that second note i was like oh shit what's wrong (laughs) like i was so worried and i didn't realize how emotionally invested i was just because the lights had gone down in the theater like that's how into this i was as soon as the movie starts i'm here um but uh yeah so it starts out and we've got um, little baby rocket. We've got this cage full of and baby he's raccoons. So cute. And we just see this dark silhouette of the um, grand. Um, I keep wanting to say the grand maester. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's walking in and he he selects a raccoon. The and high revolutionary. High revolutionary. There it is. Um, so he comes walking in and all the little baby raccoons like kind of cower away and, and stuff. And this one just kind of looks up and just kind of knows like, I'm, I'm scared of what's coming, but I'll take it. I'll do this. And, and he, he, he's scared to death, but he doesn't cower away. And I, I had this moment where there's that like, there are people out there. This is a real thing that's happened where if people are ever like really truly scared or in a really um, horrifying environment or situation, they'll let like um, uh, what's it called? Like a, an alter ego or something like a, a split personality oh, yeah. take over in order to protect them. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that terrified little raccoon and knowing there's a rocket in you and like rocket strong enough i've seen that rocket strong enough like let him take the wheel like please let yourself stay safe and and let this badass motherfucker take it from here because i know he can shoulder it like oh first scene i was wrecked I was done for. <laughs> you know, the scene that wrecked me yeah. was when Rocket is, you know, obviously like dying on the ship. Ooh. And he has this moment where he's like kind of like in an afterlife, but not quite yet. Yeah. And he gets reunited with Lila. Yeah. And they finally like get to hug. And 
gosh, what is the dialogue? Do you remember the dialogue in that scene? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to make you cry more? I'm oh so my gosh. sorry. No, 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 no. This, this movie's dope as shit, guys. Um, so, through this movie, we find out just how tight he was with his friends earlier in life. And all of a sudden, he's like, he's on death's doorstep. And as an audience, we just want him to be alive because we want, you know, Rocket to be okay. And then we find out, like, in his, on the doorstep of of the afterlife, he, once he crosses that threshold, the only thing waiting Lila. for him is reunion, is, is uh, reconnection. And he sees his best friends from from his childhood is it all and, of them or is it just lila so it's lila but the other two are off in the distance oh, okay and he says can i come with you and she says yes and he starts to take a step forward and she puts a hand on his chest and says but not yet you still have stuff to do it was so like okay it wrecked me if for anyone who hasn't seen these other movies like they're always talked about for being hilarious, and they are, but at the same time, the plot that is delivered in the Deadpool movies is freaking beautiful. It is mm-hmm. really, really outstanding, and there's a very similar sequence in Deadpool 2, and I was absolutely torn apart by that moment as well. And so, I was... <laughs> so oh <laughs> uh, no worries no worries okay um so yeah when the so okay to go back there's a moment very early on in this movie where uh they get attacked everyone takes a, a pretty hard beating but rocket especially rocket is really mortally wounded and he's uh, it's very touch and go, and like you said, there's something in him where they can't just make him better. And so the whole they can't movie, use the med pack. Yeah, that's what it was. And so um, the whole movie is them trying to just cross the galaxy in order to try to find something that would allow them to just use that would a med pack. Save Rocket. Yeah, because that's another tragic piece of this movie is the solution is right there. They have a med pack. They have so many med packs. They can save him, but there's something in him stopping them from using the solution that's been here the whole time. They're not looking for the solution. They're looking for the thing that will let them use the damn solution. Mm -hmm. That is so heartbreaking. Oh, and so, um, yeah, there's this moment towards the end where it really seems like if we don't, figure it out right now it's he's not gone. he's gone it's now or never and in this moment it seems like we may be done it may you know the the die has been cast he's probably gone mm-hmm. and that's the moment when they go when the when camera takes us into that afterlifey place and lila tells him like we will be reunited when it's your time but, but this not is not yet. your time and you still have a purpose and you still have things that not only you need to do, but people need you to do. And he kind of has to, uh, 
you know, but I, I don't want to do that. I want to, mm-hmm. I want this right now. And she's like, I know you want this right now. And we want this for you right now. But the universe, the galaxy needs, needs more. this right now. Like, and, and he has to make the choice Ugh. to come back. Freaking rocket. Like, oh my that's gosh. the thing that really saves him. His, his friends, the guardians, they make it possible, but he has to he make has the to choice. Choose to come back and oh my guys, gosh dude guys i have only ever cried in maybe three movies and in I my cry. entire life and i cry in so many yes. movies so this was especially hard on me and i cried in this movie it did me so dirty because i am an animal lover i am a dog mom i just oh honestly i will say if this was like any other character but rocket i don't know that i would have been that emotional yeah but because all of these things were happening to the animals oh guys it's so good anyways that's probably enough on rocket yeah in this uh, movie well, okay so um just a little bit more uh, a couple months ago i guess um one day all of a sudden we woke up we checked the internet, and for all of us nerds, Disney or Marvel, whoever, released three posters. Just boom, boom, boom. Uh, we had this one right here, where it's like a young rocket in front of a, a chalkboard, and he's drawn out like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, it says, I didn't ask for any of this. Oh. Right? Like, it that really makes it seem like he's going to be a central focus of this movie more more so than others then there's this one where it's all of their silhouettes walking but it's it's like from the waist down and because it's from the waist down rocket is the only person that we see a hundred percent of the character again making it look like this is going to be focused on rocket yes then there was this one oh that one and it is just, just a the, close the up on Rocket's. half of Rocket's face. You see the Guardians reflected in his eye. And right in the corner of his eye, you see this tear falling. And then we also had that moment in the trailer where we hear Rocket's voice saying, uh, the, uh, we'll all fly away together. Like, And that, everything about the... Um, advertisement the marketing for this movie really pointed to the fact that they were going to kill off rocket like it it could be more than just rocket but rocket is almost definitely dying in this it felt so likely it felt sure it did and so the fact that he made it out oh thank the maker (laughs) um yeah. Are we good on Rocket? Um, I will say, uh, for one of my favorite characters and stuff like that, um, although I do love this movie, for a movie that's so focused on Rocket, I was kind of sad how much of the movie he was out of the action. You know? I like, would agree. But yeah. at the same time... But we were then getting the backstory too. Yeah, there's no way to have his story mean as much. Mm-hmm if 
the point of it is that he's out of the action. Like he, yeah. we're being told this because he's mortally wounded. So I, I, I think it's one of those things. I can't have it both ways. So, you know, although I would have liked aspects of having it the other way, I recognize that having it the way that it is. Can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Um, he was in a decent amount towards the end though. So that is true. Okay. Okay. Let me rephrase. The hallway fight. He was in the yeah. hallway fight. As I was watching it, I kept feeling like, you know, he's, he's out of the action for most of this movie. In hindsight though, and I feel like if I rewatch this movie, I'll be like, yeah, actually chill out. Um, this is a long movie. It is a long yeah. movie. So although when he comes back to his body, when, you know, he's he's uh, revived and he's back in it, it feels like this is the very end. You've still got quite a ways you to do. go. Absolutely. So, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, he's not actually taken out for nearly as much as I thought. And, yeah, he is involved in that hallway fight, which I think... Is one of the best Guardians fight scenes one of the best Marvel. I could get behind that. Like, yeah. Because, I mean, okay. We've got... Um, I would say that this is better than um, uh, quite a few fight scenes in the Captain America trilogy. The only ones that it might not beat for me are, like, Freeway Overpass. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if this is better than Elevator. I was going to say elevator or train. But at the same time, train. The one with Bucky? Oh, in Cap 1? Yeah. I think it's better than train. Okay. I Because I feel like train is an important plot point. Not but necessarily the choreography, fight. Like, I got yeah. you. Whereas with elevator, I elevator's great because it's so confined. It's I love so that It's so tight. One. It's so clean. Oh. Um... Yeah. But yes, this hallway fight scene, fantastic. It's it's going down in in the uh, annals of history of Marvel. Um, it, there's several moments. It happens, I think, a few times throughout the movie, but it happens hard in the hallway sequence. Um, Nebula is able to be brutally injured in fights. Yeah. And she'll use that to her advantage. Sure will. Like, you'll snap her arm, and she'll now use that as, like, a rope to wrap around you. Like, it's... Yeah. When she gets just torn apart, she's just more she dangerous. She gets to put herself <laughs> back together in freaky ways. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Very, very happy with the hallway fight. Very, very happy with the song choice. Uh, yeah. No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Hell yes. I, yeah. I would love to see more uh, Beastie Boys in the MCU. We just got uh, Beastie Boys uh, Intergalactic in the Marvels trailer, mm -hmm. which is great. But at the but same time... But they didn't use the best part of the song. Yeah, they never actually used the chorus. The intergalactic planetary planetary. So yeah, that's kind of weird. But, you know, still good. Um Two characters I want to talk about, mm -hmm. or did you still have more on Brooklyn? I think I'm good. Okay. Um, not members of the Guardians, oh. but Nathan Fillion Yo. making his mm -hmm. MCU debut. No. <laughs> no? 
No, he's the blue alien in Guardians 1. Oh, I forgot 1. about that. Uh, he's also in a deleted scene in 2, apparently. Okay, but like, I guess his first big... Visual. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I think so. Because obviously we love Captain Malcolm Reynolds. Obviously. Um, and another one that I also loved was Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. Yo... Yeah. I'm not generally a big Will Poulter fan. And I am generally a massive Will Poulter fan. But I really liked mm-hmm. Adam Warlock. Yeah. Um, I think something that men- that uh, got mentioned in another review video that I saw that I definitely agree with. Uh, it seems like they really nerfed him um, once he was, uh, once he turned sides. Um, like in that first fight, it's like, dude, how are we ever going to beat this guy? This guy is everything he's got no weaknesses he's so fast he's got so much you know range but also close quarters combat this guy is so overpowered as soon as he's on our side he's not that powerful like the the uh grand revolutionary whatever the oh yeah him once we're all trying to fight against that guy there's still you know a fight to be had Mm -hmm. um and uh you know in order to keep adam warlock interesting um, when his his uh, mom is in danger, he's not fast enough to save her. And that makes him interesting. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, in that first scene where he attacks, he's so fast you don't have time to reload a gun. Like, mm-hmm. but then once it's is he fast enough to save her, then he's not. So yeah, um, that's just writing characters to be interesting. You know? Yeah. So um, not really a complaint, just a, um, an observation. Um but uh, yeah, Adam Warlock was was interesting because he's so powerful, but at the same time, very uh, I I can't quite figure out a good word for it. He's not stupid. He's not quite naive, but he's young. He's youthful. mentally young. Um, yes. I feel like youthful almost makes it seem like he's spry. Like he he's just very. Um, he has a lot to learn still, mm-hmm. and he knows that too. He knows that he's inexperienced. And so, yeah, that was interesting. Um, there's that moment when, like, show him we mean business or something. And, and he, he just, just fries <laughs> the dude. Just obliterates the poor bastard. So funny. Um, that was great. And then he just, like, adopts the guy's dog. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, man, yeah. Um We've talked around the, uh, what, Grand Revolutionary? What, the the Gosh, main bad guy. Why can we never remember um, the High Evolutionary? The High Evolutionary. Um, we have talked around him several times, but he was incredible. Yeah, he was. As a villain, he was terrifying. I was so scared of him. Um, yeah, he was like ruthless in a very different way than other Marvin Marvin villains, <laughs> Marvel villains. Yeah, words. Mm-hmm. When he would like get really mad and just start screaming, and especially in the scenes where we're seeing it from the perspective of a young rocket. When he starts screaming, Rocket is is very mm-hmm. um, he's scared because he's being scolded, but he's scared because he's being 
yelled at by someone who has proven that he's dangerous. Yeah. And he's scared because he he doesn't want to disappoint this guy because it's kind of his dad. Like he's scared for so many reasons and all of them are are valid. Yeah. Um I think another reason why he's so scary is because he is not governed by any sort of ethics. Like yeah. at least with Thanos you can see why Thanos did why he did, which is why he was an intriguing villain. Mm-hmm. But with the high evolutionary, he gave no fucks about the lives that he created. Yeah. And how he created them and what he put these animals or people through. Yeah. He just wanted to get to his end goal, no matter what the cost. Yeah. And he if has... he made a mistake somewhere, he would just etch a sketch it yeah. and move on. Mm-hmm. He has desires, but they are not paired with any ethics at all, mm-hmm. any morality. And yeah, that and so because of that, knowing the whole time that he he has a desire that on paper seems like a good desire, a good thing to try to create. And then in execution, in actually bringing it to life, that's when you realize this is terrible. This is really, really horrific. But because I once saw where you're coming from, I now can still understand what's driving you. And Mm -hmm. that's scary. Whereas with someone like Thanos, it's like, this guy honestly doesn't even want to have to do what he's doing. But he honestly believes what he's doing is right mm-hmm. and that's why he'll never stop um that's intriguing um and so yeah i feel like um this is almost the the flip side of that coin of being able to see where a character's coming from but they don't have any sort of a but i won't cross this line like he will cross whatever line yeah um so well written so phenomenally well portrayed um very easily one of my all-time favorite comic or uh mcu villains we've ever seen i could get behind that yeah um how do you feel about the other members of the guardians in this movie we um, haven't talked about uh mantis drax star lord gamora Mm -hmm. we touched on nebula for a minute my stance on mantis is so strange to me because i feel like she just barely joined she feels very very new to me like one of the new members of the team but she only wasn't in one guardians movie True. Like, I feel like I know Star-Lord and Gamora and everybody so, so well. There's one movie without Mantis, and then she enters and she's been there ever since. Why does she still feel brand new? So when she left at the end, like she decides her new path, I was very much like, what? She's already gone? She just got here. She did not just get here. Like, you just, (laughs) I don't know. I Um, love her. She's great. And I'd be willing to watch so much more Mantis. Um, Drax, I, I feel like for some reason, 
whenever Drax is is uh, making a joke in Guardians Two, it doesn't quite work for me. And I a lot of Drax's stuff in the second movie, I don't jive with. I don't know. It just doesn't land for me. In this one, I love all of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Drax um, is very well written in this movie. Yeah, and I think it's because they finally let his character play to his strengths as a father. Yeah. Because we know from the first movie that the reason that he's on this rampage is because his wife and daughter were killed. Mm -hmm. And then it feels like they kind of lost that core part of him in the second film. Yeah. And just lean too heavy into the, like, funny side of Mm -hmm. him. Same with Infinity War. But we got the core Drax back in this one. Yeah. Where he got to be a dad. He got to still be silly. He got to be protective. He got to be funny. He got to be all of the things that Drax is. Yeah. And it felt so refreshing to have him as a whole character back on the screen. Yeah. Um, Very, very happy with Drax in this movie. Very happy with Mantis. Um, Gamora as a Ravager. Yeah. That was interesting to me and i i did like that um star lord and gamora interacting with each other was not like a you should fall in love with me because a different version of you once fell in love with me that's not how you woo a woman you know (laughs) just being like you should because one time a theoretical version of you did so how are you not convinced yet so woo yeah and so (laughs) Um, the fact that it ended and she wasn't there and the fact that Star-Lord being like, yeah, I, I realize that that's, it's not fair to, to expect that from you and I'm asking too much. It's fine. Like just you be you and maybe someday we can be friends and maybe someday you won't hate me. And maybe someday I won't hate you either, because right now you're annoying me. Mm-hmm. And he's he's willing to leave it at that. And when he walks away, it kind of felt like that moment had Gamora kind of going, well, oh shit, what? Maybe there's more to this guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, get your ass back here. <laughs> it gave you that little spark yeah. of hope for I them ca- again. I kind of feel like if he ended it on more of a... Uh, um. And maybe you'll never be Gamora, because if I'm completely honest, I honestly think you kind of suck. And if he left it at that, and she was like, what? And then it all of a sudden kind of turned it, so she had this weird, like, why do I have a desire to impress him all of a sudden? (laughs) I feel like that could be a really interesting... Yeah, it could. He played hard to get. And that worked for Ravenger Gamora. (laughs) I'm like, ooh, I'm here for this. Um... So, yeah, I feel like they could still write that will-they-won't-they. They, and I, I feel like it's a really interesting chess match yeah. of each thing he does. I'm interested to see what his next move is. And therefore, I'm also interested to see how she reacts to his next move. And then I'm interested to see what her next move is and how he reacts to her next move. So, yeah, it is... Um, I'm looking forward to the the future of of that. Um, what do you think about the future of the Guardians? Because we have Star Lord that went off back to Earth. Mm-hmm. We have Mantis that 
went off to figure out her stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocket and Drax stayed. Right? I don't think Drax did. I think he's staying on Nowhere or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. To... Uh, Rocket and Groot stayed. Rocket and Groot, We've yes. got Rocket, Groot, Cosmo the dog, mm-hmm. uh, Kraglin, um, mm-hmm. the gun brother, um, the little girl, and Adam Warlock. Yeah. I think that's the whole team. Um, Groot is now massive. Yeah. Um, We're almost back to your favorite version of Groot. Honestly, I feel or like... are we there? I feel like this movie's Groot was pretty much just as good. Maybe not just as good. I adore... Very close. I adore adult Groot in Guardians 1. Um, there's... How can you not? Right? I With the fireflies. Dude, mm. the fireflies. There's a moment that it feels so much like they're... Uh, for people who are familiar with this term, it feels like they're loading Chekhov's gun. Mm. And then they never force it to go off. And I love it. There's a moment when they first arrive in Nowhere in the first Guardians movie. And there's like these little small, like dirty little children just running through the street. And I think one of them tries to like pickpocket or something and and Quill knows their tricks. So whatever. And this one girl runs up to Groot and he takes a knee and he grows a little like daisy out of his arm and he picks it and hands it to her and she takes it and just smiles and smiles up at him and he walks away and i remember thinking like as they're trying to make their quick getaway from this place or whatever their ship is going to be locked down or the the guards are coming or whatever and that little girl is going to be like oh he gave me a flower i'll distract the guards so that they can get away or something no there's never a uh, because he did something kind for her, she does something kind in return. No. The point of him doing something kind for her was because Groot is just a kind being. Mm-hmm. And I love that about Groot in the first Guardians. This new adult Groot in Guardians 3 is really phenomenal in his own way. Yeah. He is a different character. I don't think we are going to see this Groot become identical to Groot from the first movie. He's a propagation. Yeah, that's that's okay. Um, I did really, really adore Groot. Uh, the fact that at the very end, we hear him say, I love you guys. And then James Gunn came out and announced that in, in canon, what he said was, I am Groot. But that's the first time we as an audience understand his language. I love that little tidbit from that movie. Yeah. So beautiful. So, so great. Um, man. Uh, starting the movie with uh, Star-Lord's, like, he is really, really torn up about Gamora. Kind of seemed odd to me. Because at the end of Endgame, he seems like he is very... Let's go find Gamora. Yeah. He's very mission driven. Mm-hmm. And then in um, uh, the holiday special, seems like he's, you know, he's sad, but he's, you know, um, he can focus on other things. And yeah. and then people bring him joy in different ways. And so to see him so 
deep in the trenches of depression at the beginning of this one was uh, surprising. I didn't see that coming. Um, but not uh, it wasn't a bad thing. It yeah. was just unexpected. Um, so yeah, I think that's everyone. Um, I thought Nebula was great. I thought uh, the way she fights is awesome. Um, it, it really felt like they brought each character to a very nice uh, narrative ending. Yeah. So that's great. And then uh, there's a, a post credit scene where he's back on Earth. He, he reconnects with his grandfather from the first movie. Um, and it says uh, the legendary Star-Lord will return. I don't know what that means. I honestly don't know if they know what that means at this point. It may be a, we'll figure that out later, but are you willing to come <laughs> back? And he's back. like, yeah, sure, I'm willing. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, make sure it's a good project. Maybe, I don't know. Um, so, yeah. And then um, I'm, I'm really stoked for the uh, the new lineup going forward with Guardians. Same. Um, I'm very interested to yeah. see what they do with everyone. Um, one thing I will address. Um I think the soundtracks for the Guardians movies have gotten progressively um, less and less amazing. I agree. Um, I I really, really love most of the tracks selected for the first movie. Uh, second movie, there's, you know, three or four that, you know, because of how they work into the plot, really good. And then there's a few where when they first started, you're like, oh, sweet, they chose this song, awesome, yeah. In this movie, they've got, uh, obviously, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And outside of that... Um, it's a lot of more obscure songs in it, this one. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was just uh, songs that I wasn't as familiar with or what, but um, I get that it works well in... Um, the the story but uh i'm a creep i've never liked that song yeah um and so rocket like really being into it and singing along with it and stuff was like okay it's important to him it's not my favorite song whatever um i did think that the first shot i just saw a video referencing this the first shot of adam warlock where he's like flying through space and the camera's just right in front of him and he's just torpedoing it's kind of a goofy looking shot yeah but i think it plays well to the character yeah um i do think it's insane how well i'm emotionally invested in a guy that's painted gold has golden hair like everything every inch of him is just gold there are so many things in the mcu that i have to like remind myself like you could never get away with this you would never even attempt this back before uh like 2013 you know Mm -hmm. no comic book movie studio was going to be ballsy enough to attempt this um I think that's probably everything. I feel I've like got. we talked about it. Yeah. Um, I would say it's definitely worth a watch, mm-hmm. especially for MCU fans. Uh, oh yeah. Um, I. How would you rank the three Guardians movies? 
That is a good question. I really liked the f- first one. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the third one. But they're so different. I'm having a hard time ranking them. Yeah. So like one and three are up there and then two is lower okay. for me. For me, it's a very easy three, one, two. Okay. I was, I love the first Guardians. Three, I think is so outstanding in every way like except for yeah the music music. that's like the one thing that's keeping one up there for me yeah i was way more emotionally invested in three Mm -hmm. yeah i will say without one and two you can't make three correct like three has to build on one and two so i i recognize that but i feel like three used three is so good yeah three used one and two so effectively it sure did it, because of plot points of three i keep seeing tiktoks and stuff that are like this one line of dialogue now hits so much harder this one scene now hits so much harder this one plot point from the first two they hit so much harder because three shines so much more light on the situation and i love that so much um oh sorry there's that moment when they're going to, um, you know, face-to-face address the uh, high evolutionary. And there's that moment where it's like, all right, screw you. You're dead. Let's make some noise. And Groot has all the guns oh, inside like his abdomen. Just like hidden in there. Yeah. And he throws the two blasters to Star-Lord. But then he's firing like four other guns. Oh, such a badass that was beautiful that was really freaking stellar um yeah i thought uh for being you know a character that we've seen here and there but really being a brand new character i'm really loving cosmo the dog heck yeah hell yes such a good girl yeah boy uh i think girl girl right um voiced by a girl um yeah uh really loved her chemistry with um craglin Mm -hmm. um one thing that i did really want to see there's a moment where uh all of the um i think they're called like hell spawn or something but they're pretty much grand evolutionary high evolutionaries um like effed up experiments oh they're all attacking nowhere and at some Mm -hmm. point they're like clawing through the the walls and and getting in and people are trying to shoot him down and and craglin's trying to get the arrow to work with the whistling and i really wanted a moment where um all of a sudden like some of them just started coming down and it's like whoa who's shooting those guys out of the air and i wanted the camera to pivot over and it's howard the duck (laughs) is just taking him out of the sky You want so much more from Howard the Duck than anyone is willing to give. Dude, the fact that Howard... I feel like Howard the Duck, as a character, is such a goldmine right now. Because the fact that he had a garbage movie from way back in the day, and now they keep throwing him into background shots, and it's like, dude, that's such a ballsy, insane thing to try. But the fact that he's being brought to us by James Gunn Bro, if anyone can make Howard the Duck work, it's you. So just swing for the fences with him. It's I feel like it's very similar to how 
the Mario Brothers movie. There was yeah. already a Mario Brothers movie from back in like the 80s or 90s or whatever. And it's terrible. So in this day and age, they made another. They swing for the fences. And it's so good. And so many people are loving the Mario Brothers movie. Because it's exactly what it's supposed to be. If if someone wanted to really make a dope Howard the Duck movie, I think audiences right now are game. They are so in for it. Um, as long as you hit the right vibe. And I feel like that's one of those things where people are talking about, uh, um, what's the term? Um, comic fatigue or superhero fatigue or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. It's not that we're tired of superheroes. It's that um, a lot of them just aren't bold in a way that they should be or they're not unique or they they're unique in ways that just kind of feel uninteresting phoned in whatever um or you're just writing scripts and not making sure that they're as airtight as previous scripts were there's a lot of inconsistencies and garbage in a multiverse of madness oh gosh you know and so then it's like, oh, it's because people are tired of superheroes. No, it's because this is not on the same uh, level as previously made superhero movies. Mm-hmm. And that's not even like... You cannot phone it in on a superhero movie anymore. Yeah. And even then, um, I feel like there are certain things that are being done in Multiverse of Madness. You know, you've got uh, phenomenal actors... You've got phenomenal visuals and stuff like that. But, and and you did try to make a very ambitious plot, but it, it fell apart. Sure did. If you tried to make Doctor Strange 2 with a much more basic plot, and it wasn't that ambitious, but it made sense and there weren't plot holes, that could have worked. Mm-hmm. I would say Hawkeye is a far better narrative than Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. And Hawkeye is just Hawkeye running around New York City fighting against a mob. Mm-hmm. That's not a super intricate story, but because of that, it doesn't have room to fall apart. And Agreed. Multiverse of Madness crumbles. Um, so yeah, I feel like uh, Guardians was ambitious and made sure it was airtight. Mm-hmm. And... Because of that, people are losing their shit over it. So, um, sorry guys, we we tried to make this a shorter episode. We, we failed. failed. Um, so yeah, uh, but you can uh, follow us on Instagram. The, the dot dot real dot real couple. couple. You can email us. The real, the real couple, couple pod, pod at gmail.com. <laughs> you don't know our email address. I'm trying so hard. Why have I not written it on the whiteboard yet? I don't know. I don't I'll know. write it for you. Thank you. Um... Yeah, uh, if you, I don't know, if there are any uh, movies that you want to hear us talk about, there's a list. And we haven't made too much progress on it, but we're trying. So yeah, um, we've got a few more uh, episodes we're uh, we're about to record, so those are coming soon. We've got uh, Spider-Verse coming out later this week. So hopefully that'll get recorded soon. Um, But who knows? And uh, yeah, stick around. Thank you so much for for tuning in. We love you all. Love you so uh, much. Yeah, just just be the best. You guys are so dope. Um, I think that's everything. 
Love you. Bye. Bye.